Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Commercialappeal.com, featuring the Tiger Basketball Podcast, the Grizzlies Podcast, Chris Harrington's Pick and Popcast, the Tiger Football Podcast, plus interviews with newsmakers, exclusively at commercialappeal.com. The following is a CA original. I think it was the first time in school history we had three four-star players. At the end of the day, I don't get too caught up in all the rankings. I think it, it is a tremendous compliment to the level of athlete that we are being able to bring. Competition that we're facing and going up against in some of these recruiting battles is, is incredible. Everybody has the ideal measurables that you want to try to recruit to each position. Sometimes ratings are based off of that, and then sometimes it's based off just pure playmaking ability. I never look at a rating before I evaluate a film. That doesn't matter. I don't look at what offers a kid has before I decide to offer a scholarship. I know it kind of gets old hearing a little bit, but I truly look for young men that fit what we're trying to do. And then as we get to know them, is this this a young man that I see could come in and be a part of our family here and have success? This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shad and Phil Stukenborg. What's up, y'all? We are back in the uh, Tiger Football Podcast studio, uh, joined today by Phil Stukenborg. We're covering a lot of National Signing Day here yesterday. Um, obviously Memphis signed 25, uh, 25 kids. Um, it's going to go down as one of the highest rated, uh, classes in program history. I think we had a little thing as we're taping this, uh, just before Cordarian Richardson, uh, local kid flipped to UCF, which I think put UCF ahead of Memphis in the two, four, seven composite range. So, you know, you can, you can slice hairs there, but obviously one of the, among the best, yeah. among that's the best, what, that's how I would word it from, from a rating standpoint, um, but obviously kind of the gems of this class are the the three four stars. And we'll get into a, a couple of the other guys later on. We'll also be joined by our recruiting coordinator and linebackers coach, Dan Lanning, to get a little recap of the class. But but starting with these four-star kids, Phil, and I know somebody who covered the program for a long time, th- this is not something that has happened a lot at the University of Memphis to get a four-star kid, let alone three, like they did yesterday, according to at least Rivals.com's rankings, Obina Easy, uh, TJ Carter, and uh, Nick Robinson all, all signing with Memphis. So um, I know we were talking kind of before we started here about some of the, the research that you did on four stars. And Norvell was saying this is the first time that they've ever signed three four stars in the single class in school history. Um, but it's interesting to kind of, we were talking again before we started about some of the, the guys who were four stars who have wound up at, at Memphis. You know, I, I thought I could trust my memory and and kind of pick these guys out over the last you know, since there hadn't been that many of them. Right. But what what you found out is it's only been three going back to two thousand nine. I mean, you go back you go back that many years. What is that? Six years? Well, a little more than that. So, yeah, like eight. And and what you find is that they the reason you probably don't remember them is that they didn't come in here out of high school, and so uh, a couple of them were transfers from junior college who were highly regarded coming out of high school who couldn't make it uh, to their uh, particular programs. And then there was a, a transfer recently, uh, Jalen Oglesby, right. was probably the last one mm-hmm. who originally signed with Clemson. 
so so what you find is that these guys uh, and none of them uh, we thought Oglesby would pan out. There were flashes early on, but he never did. And then the other guys are going back to uh, I think I go back to 2009. A defensive tackle came from junior college named Justin Thompson, and people may remember him if they're diehards. He he did play some. He was off injured, so he he didn't get on the field a whole lot. And then the next year, a receiver named Sean Farr. Uh, If people remember him, they are extremely diehard. (laughs) Because I don't think he got on the field. He he was an original Louisville signee. Louisville gets rid of their coach, Steve Cragthorpe. Right. And and so the kid is uh, related to Will Barton, the basketball player here, and he comes to Memphis. <laughs> no kidding. He comes to Memphis and plays and, and and tries to play and 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 never pans out. So so the history in the last, you know, 8 years there there no there haven't been many. And when you see 3 in one class, that's what really stands out. So who was the last, I don't know if you have this offhand, but who is the last guy a four-star to sign with them out of high school? Cuz that that is a big difference, right? Coming out of high school yes. versus from the JUCO ranks, there's a ga- gap, and I didn't go back that far, but I got a feeling you're going to go back to D'Angelo Williams, and, and he was a guy who, you know, the story is he's a four star, he signs with Memphis, and then they drop a star. I mean, that story's been passed <laughs> around a lot, but he's obviously, you know, we see what's happened. He he was a, a four star player. Um, I'm amazed that Isaac Bruce was not a higher regarded star coming out of high school. Now he was also a JUCO transfer into the Memphis program, but uh, uh, you know, here's a guy that's going to go into the Hall of Fame, and and um, you know, D'Angelo's you know, arguably one of the best to ever come out of here you know, over the you know the past couple of decades. So, yeah, I think you have to go back to D'Angelo to find the last four star who came from a, a program, a high school program, into the Memphis program. Now we'll we'll dig into the class here really quickly, but I w- I wanted to ask, and I'm just kind of curious. I mean, you've covered it for a long time and seen kind of the rise of recruiting rankings and websites and ratings and all that stuff. I'm kind of of the opinion that the the stars quantify how good of an athlete you are and they and they you know go a lot off of measurables and athleticism and there's a clear you know the five-star kids are the ones where you can put on the tape and you go yeah it's a five-star kid um but i don't think they determine how successful of a a college player you're going to be necessarily especially when you get down into the the three-star two-star level um what do you think about ratings and do you think that there's merit i mean mike norvell said one of the things he said yesterday was you know we definitely take pride in being one of the highest rated group of five teams um, do you think that there is merit in these in these ratings, and do you think that having higher rated or higher ranked recruiting classes will eventually translate to more success on the field? I do. I think the I think the four star and you know and above are obviously the ones that that usually you're going to pan out. I mean, I think if, sure. they, if they come into your your program, but look back. I mean, where would you have put Paxton Lynch? You know, I mean, he here's somebody that you, you, how do you quantify him? He's injured in high school, doesn't play a full senior season. So you don't you don't know you just kind of you take a, a chance. No one's going to have the numbers on him to tell you that yeah he should have been probably a a four star you know coming out of out of high school. So so that's hard. That's that's kind of the hardest thing to I think to quantify when you got a guy who who may be a really good fit for your program who who maybe played at a smaller program who was kind of under the radar of some of these uh, you know recruiting sites. So as as the uh, national letters of intent were rolling in yesterday, and and a lot of the class was was kind of known ahead of time. Like a lot of these kids had been committed to to Memphis back to the summer, um, and there were some schools. You know, I was watching the recruiting show that the, uh, the athletic department website put out um, yesterday, and and Coach Ravel said on there that a couple SEC schools came in on a guy like Mikhail Hill, the offensive lineman from 
from Louisiana, and uh, I know that a couple uh, Power Five teams came in on the the kicker Riley Patterson at the at the last minute. Um, so obviously there's some things that could have changed, but for the most part the class was the same. Who are the guys in this class that you like or that that stand out either from from what you've heard, what you've seen, right. what you've read? Who are, who are some of the guys that you think fans should should know? Well, I think that the uh, the four stars out of Nashville are going to be the ones that people are most interested in seeing. And TJ Carter and uh, help me with the Obena. So I always thought it was Obena. Yeah, I think that it is Obena. Obena easy. Obena easy. Obena easy. That's that's what I think. And I've been listening to coaches say his name <laughs> and, and trying to get it down. Obviously, we'll get a, we'll get to ask him. He's going to have a nickname. He's going to have a nickname for sure. Well, they say they call him Big O. Okay, I like that. So that's I mean that's a lot easier to to remember, but. But yeah, I think it's Obina. Well, the other one is, uh, and um, we saw this yesterday when uh, we put some of his video and basketball up on the site, is Laundry uh, Thomas. He, quarterback. Quarterback. He, uh, to see some of that explosiveness that you heard Mike Norvell talk about yesterday in the press conference, you can see it there on the film. And uh, I, know, I know you think he can compare to some other quarterbacks in in yeah. this league, right? So I I was really intrigued by him, and he actually signed when I was on my little European jaunt over in, in Ireland. But uh, yeah, I, I got back and I looked at some of the film, and I said, man, he reminds me a lot of, of Quentin Flowers, just in how, how raw he is kind of throwing the ball. Because we saw, you know, people think of Quentin Flowers this year, and he could throw it just as well as he could run with it. But you go back last year in 15, I mean, he was mostly just a, a runner, and he had a lot of growing to do as a passer. And so I went back and looked at, Quentin Flowers high school film um, coming out of Miami, a, a high school in Miami, and a lot of similarities there just in terms of some of these long, winding scrambles and, and some of the stuff that we saw Quentin Flowers do, you know, even this year where he, you know, there's a broken play and he scrambles and weaves through the defense for 60 yards and a, and a touchdown. Um, and I hate to like put that comparison, you know, on it before he even gets to campus, but I think there are some similarities there just in terms of raw athleticism. And if he can make that kind of same jump, um, as a passer that Quentin Flowers did and kind of orchestrate the offense and learn to manage the game, um, I think I think Memphis will have something good there. And then you had, you know, Coach Norvell yesterday in his press conference was when we brought up the quarterback. Obviously, Riley come, Ferguson comes in as your starter next year, but he said it's wide open beyond that is basically how he put it. He yep. says, I've got some guys. So you wonder how this, you know, I, I'm not sure how much time or how many reps this guy will get, but it'd be interesting just seeing him out there on the field with some of the other guys and how he fits in the the future of the quarterback spot at memphis is getting really interesting yes. at this point because now you've got you've basically got four guys uh but they're in different molds you know you've got a brady davis who is not particularly uh athletic he's not going to scramble he's not going to you know really be a threat on some of these these uh read option plays but he can sling it and and that was something and he's got the mentality that i know the previous staff really liked um, just kind of this unflappable demeanor and a, and a really good leader on the field. Uh, and then kind of in the similar vein, Connor Adair, mm-hmm. who uh, yeah. who Norvell talked about and, and raved about yesterday and said he I, reminds him a lot of, of Riley Ferguson, um, kind of unheralded because he was just a one-year starter in high school. Um, so you've got those guys, and then you've got guys like David Moore, who's right. super athletic, who would add a completely different dimension to the offense, and who was really impressed as a, as a passer, you know, at least in practice last year. Yeah, maybe too early. I, w- I was wondering how you would compare Moore, you know, to Laundre Thomas. Well, I think Moore is a at this point, and again, I haven't seen Laundre in person. You know, I have I've just watched this film, but I think David Moore is a more polished passer. Um, and I think that there's a there's a ton of growth that happens when you go 
from high school to a college quarterback room and and working every day with with guys like Kenny Dillingham and, and Mike Norvell. You know, Mike Norvell is really active in that quarterback room. Um, there's a huge leap that needs to be taken when you go into college. And I think that David Moore, we saw when he first got on campus, um, he put in a lot of time just to figure out, you know, what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I think over the course of the season in, in practice, you saw some growth there, just that he was more comfortable. He knew where the ball needed to go on certain plays. He knew when he had the liberty to tuck the ball and run with it. Um, and so I think he's a little bit farther ahead. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I haven't seen Laundre Thomas, so that's going to be interesting to see, you know, where he's at, and then if he can make that same kind of growth and and develop over the course of of this year in practice. Yeah, the and the I guess the other part when they were talking about uh, Mike was talking yesterday about the offensive lineman. I mean, mm-hmm. this is I mean, you've got somebody in easy. You've got somebody who who starts probably right away <laughs> well that and i meant to write this we had a, a morning after story come out uh, on thursday morning uh so i thought that he was going to start away as well the more I've, I've asked around i think he's going to be a little bit more of a project he might start right away just because he's physically incredible right. i mean he's like i think he's listed at 6'8 293 and he's got some of the longest arms of of an offensive line i can't remember the exact measurement something like 36 long arms or something which obviously is huge when you're when you're talking about left tackles um but i think he's going to be a little bit more of of a project i had originally written you know oh consensus four star he could start right away uh not necessarily um i think if there's going to be a guy that's going to start right away it's probably going to be the juco kid tanis joseph Mm -hmm. um who's another huge kid i think he's six four three something 315 maybe um he's a guy that they're really really excited about and i actually there will be a story um, you can check it out. Sunday, I got to do a little bit of behind the scenes um, in in their war room, quote unquote, uh, as as the the signees were coming in, and that was one guy that they were really excited just to just to lock him up because it was a really competitive battle with a couple other conference teams. It was SMU and East Carolina. Um, they're really excited to get him um, just because he he can make an immediate impact. I think. Since you were in that room, I don't want to give your story away. <laughs> yeah. Was there anyone? Was there anyone else uh, of of maybe the high school kids? that that they got and you could just sense there was this palpable yes you know we got we got this guy well i think it's you know obviously they were pretty confident with everybody that they had because they'd been committed for so long and because they had a chance to build relationships with all these kids Mm -hmm. it wasn't like last year where you know they had basically a month to, to identify and get to know kids and and they were maybe a little bit more tenuous they couldn't sleep quite as soundly you know but um, here they were comfortable with kids, but you just never know. I mean, you never know until you have the NLI in hand. I mean, the Cordarian Richardson thing. Right. He commits. He does this big thing with Maryland. You know, I'm committing to Maryland, and then he signs with UCF. You know, you never really can feel comfortable until you get the NLI in hand. And so there was some relief when some of those big those big guys, you know, the Opie and the Easies, the the TJ Carter, the Nick mm-hmm. Nick Robinson, um, even a guy that you know people don't think about a lot, but Riley Patterson, their kicker. You know, that's a guy who's going to come in and start from day one. And, and you didn't have a kicker here. You know, that's a guy like if he had if he had flipped, you know, I'm sure they had a, a backup plan for who they were going to go after. But that's a kid that you really needed. So when you get those NLIs in hand, there was a lot of relief. It's not that they were sweating, you know, because they weren't confident, I guess, in, in signing them. But there is just some inherent relief when those NLIs come in. Were there any were, I mean, they talked a little bit about uh, sleepers yesterday. I mean, or, or is there someone in that class that you think? could emerge and and be a, a a better player than people might be aware of. Yeah, I think sleepers are all relative to where you're rated. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, TJ Carter, by virtue of being a four-star corner, not gonna is never going to be a sleeper, right? So I think when you're talking about sleepers, it's a lot of these unknown guys. Um, for example, like a Desmond uh, Hawkins, mm-hmm. who is a, a JUCO defensive lineman, um, a guy from Craigmont High School, so a local kid. But he's a guy, you know, when you when you go out and sign a JUCO defensive lineman, he's basically going to be in the mix right away. You know, if you're signing a JUCO guy at that position where you're rotating all the time, he's going to be a guy that's going to be on the field. Um so I think he could be a sleeper. I don't know much about him, to be honest. He was a guy that, you know, was not very well known, I guess, as we were all trying to track recruits on social media and everything. Yeah. Um, but I think he's one guy. And then I'm really interested about the the quarterback, Connor Adair, um, mm-hmm. because he was a guy that, again, very underrated by by recruiting services. But Norvell has known his high school coach since they were in college. Um, they, they both played uh, college ball in, in Arkansas and have known each other for a long time. So you know that Mike Norvell is not going to take that that kid unless he has a you know a really strong feeling about him and also some strong evaluations around him. And so I think that that's a guy maybe you know the the quarterback recruiting has gone insane where you've got guys committing as early as 2018 or you know like they're committing 2 years before they're wow. actually signing, mm-hmm. right? And everything is just speeding up so much especially at that position. Um, so I could see how a guy like Connor and Eric could kind of slip through the cracks just by nature of, of quarterback recruiting. So he's another guy, and he was a guy that Mike Norvell said, you know, could could pop, possibly be the sleeper of the of this class. Okay, now who's the one that got away? I mean, you're you're <laughs> that's, a, that's you don't talk a whole lot about that, uh, and it wasn't brought up a whole lot yesterday. But um, there's got to be that one guy that that they thought they were going to get and didn't. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think that they're. Uh, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes um, in terms of committable offers, non-committable offers, um, a lot of things that on social media, you know, it says one thing, but reality is another thing. Um, you know, I think there was one kid that flipped that uh, we, we did kind of some high school capsules um, yesterday of, of coaches and a coach that I had reached out to last week of Jamal Woods in, in Hueytown, Alabama, who ended up signing with Illinois. Um, you know, he was a kid that, that Memphis definitely liked. Um, I don't know if he'll go down as you know the one that got away necessarily, but um, his high school coach raved about him and and in comments to me said you know he's going to be the best player like he's going to surprise everybody and be the best player in in the class. So I guess him, but I think they they did pretty well and and you know there might have been other guys at various points in the process that they made run runs at. You know I know that they had two quarterbacks decommit. You know Will McBride is is at Tennessee now. He's a mid year enrollee, so. Um, you know, maybe he's a guy that if he ends up being, you know, first team all conference in the SEC, you look back at him and say, man, I wish we would have been able to hold on to him and and various guys, you know, committing, decommitting over the course of a few months. So uh, maybe a guy like that. But, you know, it just depends on how everything everything pans out here in the coming years. The one guy that I really like that I was going to give a, another shout out to, and we talked a little bit about the offensive line is uh, Mikhail Hill and, mm-hmm. and, you know, having multiple SEC offers. But he's a guy that you know, everybody talks about uh, Obina Easy, and uh, you know, Mikhail Hill. I think could be every bit as good, and and has a chance to play earlier um, than than Easy, just because he's a he's a massive dude. And if you watch his film, I mean, he he's the kind of guy that will engage in a block and then push the guy twenty yards downfield and then pancake him into the ground. I saw a movie about this, <laughs> right? This is like the Blind Side. <laughs> you just don't. I mean, you just don't see that 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 kind of film a whole lot so he's a guy that i really like um i think tj carter has a chance to play early um and then quindon lewis uh, another guy out of out of oklahoma a cornerback um i think he has a chance to be a pretty good player 
And we're joined now by one of the men who helped put together uh, this 2017 recruiting class, recruiting coordinator and linebackers coach, Dan Lanning. So I guess my, my first question, just kind of a broad question, what stands out to you when you look at, at this class and what you guys were able to to accomplish? I know Coach Norvell talked a lot about kind of the size on the offensive line, the, the secondary. What were the goals um, entering the, this recruiting class, and what were some of the things that you tried to accomplish? Well, one thing, um, you know, it, it, with the whole recruiting piece, you know, Coach talked about getting bigger in our conference. That was definitely an emphasis, getting bigger, um, but not sacrificing that size uh, for for a lack there of athleticism. And we were able to really go get a high-caliber athlete uh, that's got great size, uh, and great athleticism kind of across the board at all of our positions. We never really had to uh, feel like we were sacrificing one for the other. Um, and, and the caliber of athlete we're able to recruit, we're really, really excited about. We were able to get uh, high-character kids, but guys that really have the ability to impact us really quick on, on our level uh, here with, with their ability to play, you know, based on some of the teams we're competing with. Um, but more importantly, what kind of guys we were looking for, we were able to find that, those kind of guys. Uh, for our team. I did a ride along with you obviously last spring and got to know a little bit about this process but for fans I I don't think fans understand how much goes into the evaluation process and kind of you know settling on these these 25 scholarship guys from a pool of you know however many thousands what are some of the things especially when you get into these final weeks before signing day and maybe you have a couple spots left and you're considering a couple guys what are some of the things that that are kind of those last uh distinguishing factors i guess or some of those as you get down to the wire some of those things that you really look at with these with these guys well coach norvell does a phenomenal job of kind of creating what what the vision of our program is and what we're trying to do so um always at the end during signing day at this time there's always people that that you have some guys that come into play that maybe weren't in play before and the thing that he does a really good job of is keeping that vision the same of we're not going to sacrifice what what we believe in just to get somebody uh, down the stretch uh, if they don't fit our values or if they're just not a good fit for our team. So I think he's always, you factor in, are they a good fit? And you hear coach talk about fit and family. That's the constant. Uh, but then also I think down the stretch, you really want to, you want to factor in who can make the quickest impact on our team uh, for success. And then developmentally, what's the potential of a guy, um, you know, as we sign him. So, you make some really tough decisions down the stretch because there's a lot of guys that want to be a part of what we're doing here. And at the end of the day, you got to tell some of them no, but you hope you can rely back on the research that you did throughout the last oh, 365 days, whether it be evaluation periods, phone calls, talking to counselors, principals, parents, uh, the whole nine yards, and you try to take all that in and, and uh, make some, some critical decisions down the stretch. Coach, this is Phil Stukenborg. How are you? Doing great. I want to ask you, in coaching staffs in the past, they always talked about that final 24 to 36 hours and just worried about people that may flip or change. And, and what, what were your thoughts going into that final 24 to 36 hours? Were, were there any players you, you were concerned about? or? Well, you know, because of the caliber of players we were getting, there's always that concern. Um, but I think one thing that kind of gave us a lot of peace um, was the relationships that we have. You know, before uh, you get down to the last 24 hours, you know, you know, you, you have a good feel for how strong your relationship is. No doubt there were guys on our board that, that we uh, were able to sign yesterday that other teams were calling all the way up to the 11th hour. Um, but we, we felt really, uh, if, you, if you were in our office, Tom could attest to this, uh, it was a pretty calm day in the office because we felt we knew how the chips were going to fall 
because of those relationships we've we've developed over the last year. Um, whereas last year it was you know it was come in uh, with a month to go or two months to go and and your, your relationships aren't quite as strong and you're just uh, hoping to build on, on what you're able to find out in a reduced amount of time. This year that wasn't the case because we had a lot of time to develop the relationships we have with these guys. So, Coach, I wanted to ask you about some of your guys in particular, talk about specific players. I know that you were big uh, in, in the recruitment of J.J. Russell, a guy that's already on campus, um, obviously going to be working right. closely with a guy like Cade Mashburn at, at linebacker. Um, just tell us a little bit about those two guys and then other guys maybe that you um, heavily recruited or, or feel like you know really well, just to just to introduce them to Tiger fans a little bit. Yeah, well, J.J. and, and, and Cade both obviously coming in at linebacker. They're coming into a great situation where we, we've got the, the – uh, majority of our players that play the linebacker uh, return next year. So it's not a situation where they have to come in and and uh, just take over uh, from day one. They get to sit there and kind of see how the guys in front of them operate. But at the same note, they're both two guys that are capable of making an impact the day they get on campus. And J.J. already being here is a huge, huge advantage. Uh, several of our coaches commented yesterday, we did a morning workout in the morning, how impressed they were with uh, uh, J.J. and how He's acclimated to college, and, and uh, his response and the way that he's working right now is really, really impressive. So uh, both of those guys are extremely intelligent football players. Um, so we're getting really smart players. They're going to be able to uh, quickly learn our system and scheme, um, but they're also really passionate guys. They're two guys that love football. Um, so we're getting some guys that want to work to be great, and uh, that, that's an exciting piece of them. Um, you know, at the end of the day, a couple of the other guys that uh, I got to personally be heavily involved in, um, you know, are, are guys like Zay Collins, uh, Leandre Thomas was a guy that uh, we got to, uh, I got to go by and see this spring and uh, was really involved with down the stretch here at Jackson. And both those guys, I think, um, have a chance as well to make an impact. I don't know if you've had a chance to, to watch Leandre's film, but he is uh, a really impressive athlete, maybe one of the most explosive players I've ever, uh, ever seen uh, from an evaluation standpoint uh, and then seen in person, just his ability to transition from football to the basketball court, uh, whatever it might be. And then the guy's passion to be great uh, is really, really impressive. Like uh, Coach Dillingham said last night, uh, the guy on his official visit during break when everybody else takes a nap, he goes to the weight room and is working out. So that's uh, a real testament of what kind of kid we're getting uh, in Dre. Um, and Zay, you know, is just really versatile guy. Uh, you know, some teams were recruiting him to play running back. You know, his ability to play safety and, and his size potential is really interesting to see what he, what he develops into because he's grown uh, even since we first started recruiting him. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys play out. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Laundre in, in particular. Uh, I mean, watching his film, I went back and watched, like, Quentin Flowers' high school film and compared it right. to, to what Laundre does. How does a kid like that slip through the cracks? Like, how, how did you guys get on him, and, and how did he not get as many, uh, at least according to recruiting service, as many offers as some of the other quarterbacks? Well, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and, and I, won't, um, I won't dig too deep into that, but we, he's a guy we saw this spring we really liked, and for whatever reason, you know, Dre was a guy that wasn't able to get around to a lot of these camps that, that are so influential in recruiting rankings and everything else that matters nowadays to everyone else but us. Um, but he's a guy we always kind of kept our eye on. And then we're really big into senior evaluation. So if you go back and compare his junior film to his senior film, uh, the development that Coach Sinclair had with him uh, at Wingfield High School, you see a guy that really just took off. Uh, his size potential, he's grown. 
uh, 25 pounds in the last year. So he's a guy that when you go back and you say, okay, we're, it's important to do senior evaluations, Dre is that guy. Um, also, just down the stretch, being able to meet with his counselors and make sure he's on track and everything that he's doing, that was a big, uh, a big uh, piece for us, and he has done a phenomenal job this year. So, um, you know, that, like you said, his film is dynamic. I don't know, you know, Quinn Flowers, that's high praise. Uh, if, he, if he turns into that, we'll definitely be very excited. Um, but he is, I would, I would, he's a kid I definitely would not bet against in this class. He, uh, he's impressive. Coach, we know you did a great job in the Nashville area. Uh, talk a little bit about T.J. Carter, just kind of what he brings uh, to the table. Yeah, well, you know, Coach Silverfield, that's his primary area uh, in recruiting, and he did a, a phenomenal job, um, you know, in, in that area, obviously, and uh, and did a good job with not just T.J., but also Abina. And uh, both those guys are, are guys that we think can be big-time players uh, here at Memphis. TJ's walking into a situation where we graduate a lot of uh, guys in the secondary. So he's coming to a spot where he's going to have a chance to make an impact right away. Uh, he's a fierce competitor, uh, kind of guy that if you step on his sneakers, you're going to be in a tussle. I mean, he's just he's that, that competitive in everything that he does. Um, we're really, really thrilled about TJ. His demeanor uh, during his official visit was really impressive as well. He's a guy that's hungry to come and go to work, um, but really talented. He's, a, he's also a guy, when you visit with other uh, coaches, you know, across the country, uh, uh, at other universities and colleges, they always ask about TJ. Boy, we really like that kid. You know, he's a, a guy that definitely was a battle, um, but but his uh, commitment was impressive, just the kind of a person he is and standing behind what he says. Uh, he's a really, really impressive young man. Coach, we really appreciate you hopping on. We'll get you out of here on this. Uh, obviously, the recruiting calendar, the, the wheels are kind of always spinning, and, and people think that, oh, you got your 17 class, you take a big break and whatever, but I know that you guys have already been working on the 18 class. Um, have you already identified kind of what you're looking for, I, I guess, positionally, um, some, some holes that you need to fill, and how long, how far along are you, I guess, in, in recruiting that, that 18 class? Well, yeah, that's something Coach Norvell does a phenomenal job of from an organizational standpoint and controlling that vision. But, yeah, we met um, last week. Uh, you know, before signing day, we met and talked about what our numbers are, ideal numbers are at each position. We always have a, from a roster management standpoint, we have some goals um, of meeting certain numbers at each position just to, to be able to operate at a high level um, based on how many how many wide receivers you might need uh, to operate throughout a year, how many uh, specialists, how many uh, offensive linemen, defensive linemen. There's kind of some ideal numbers for us, so we try to uh, maintain our signees try to fall within those numbers and keeping our numbers close as possible so you don't get disproportionate. Um, but Coach, you know, already went through those numbers and where we're at as a staff. Obviously, there's some flexibility in that for fit. Um, and, and when you can get a dynamic player, sometimes you sacrifice the numbers uh, one place or another. Uh, but, yeah, we have a really good idea, at least from a number standpoint, of where we'll be next year. And we're, we're in the early stages of identifying all that talent. Uh, the big piece for us is obviously, as you saw this year, we can go get a special, uh, a special talent at each position. So we do not want to sacrifice uh, any talent uh, because we want to hurry up and get something done. We want to be really thorough in our process. So the evaluation process has definitely started, um, and, and the wheels will crank up on that in the coming months, and we'll start getting guys on campus and, and starting all over. Coach, well, thanks for joining us. I know you guys get a little bit of time off here. 
So I'll, I'll let you get to it. Really appreciate you hopping on with us here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. That'll do it for us here on the Tiger Football Podcast. Spring ball is suddenly right around the corner. We'll be up here uh, coming up next month. We'll have news and notes as, as they come leading up to that. Thanks, as always, for listening. Take the CA wherever you go. Download the Commercial Appeal app on your smartphone or tablet and get push alerts when breaking news happens. It's a free download for your iPhone and iPad in the Apple App Store and in the Google Play Store for your Android device. This is the Commercial Appeal.